This is the Nile Microwave Truth brought to you by Time of Grace Ministry and I am C.L. Whiteside. If this is your first time joining us, you might be wondering why in the world is this podcast called the Nile Microwave Truth? And that's because of this. In our culture and our society, we're told to throw things into the microwave and speed up the process or try to alter it. But a lot of times you can't do that. And especially with God's word, that's not something that you can do. You don't want to alter. You can't speed up that process. And this podcast is all about challenging culture's truth and perspective perspective with God's word. Now, how we like to start this podcast off is with what I call a first world problem question. This question is not something that has a definite answer. It's just something to get you thinking, create discussion. And yeah, let, let's get into it. Now, since this is Black History Month, I'm going to have a question that's geared towards race or ethnicity or, or towards culture. Now, you don't have to run away and be scared. This is a safe place. This is just like I said, there's no absolute answer. There's no right or wrong. This is just opinion. Now, the question is this. I'm going to give you three different possibilities, three different options, A, B and a C. Which one of these would make a person lose credibility, be made fun of? or be frowned upon by their race the most, you think, the most. And here are the three possibilities. The first one is this. If you were raised by a different race, so for example, I'm black. I know some of you can't see that, but remember this is on YouTube so you can see me, I'm black. Now, if I was raised by a white family or a Hispanic family or an Asian family, bottom line, if I was raised by someone who was not black, would I lose a lot of points for that? Would I get frowned upon by the black community for that? Or is it B, if I wasn't married to a black woman, which I am, hey, Coco, love you, baby. And I married a different woman outside of my race or you did that. Would that be frowned upon a lot? Or is it C? If I was good at something that went against my stereotype and happened to fit with another stereotype, for example, this Tiger Woods being good at golf. Which one do you think would get the most points taken away by your community or my community. And again, it's A, being raised by someone of a different race. Is it B, marrying someone outside of your race? Or is it C, being good at something that goes against your stereotype and happens to fit a different stereotype? Now, I'm going to give you my personal opinion. I think it's B, especially for men. And I'm, I'm this is the example I'm going to give you. I think it's B. If Martin Luther King Jr., one of the greatest civil rights leaders of all time, if he was married to a white woman, I don't think he would have the same influence. I don't think he would. I think he would went through some mess if he was maybe Hispanic. He could have got away with it, but I definitely don't think he could have been married to a white woman. Now, that's just my personal opinion. I don't know. I could be wrong. What do you think, though? And you know what's interesting? I think this is something that Jesus went through as well, where people tried to put him in a box and people tried to say, I'm taking points from the Jewish community because you didn't do this because of who you associate with or where you're from or who your family was. And you're like, what are you talking about? Why do you say that? I'm saying that because in Matthew 13, verse 35, it says this. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon and Judas? And we have other examples where people got mad because of who Jesus associated with, where they wanted to take away and say, you're not really a true Jew. Or we can look at in Luke chapter four, verse 14 to 30, when he was rejected by his own hometown because he didn't fit their stereotype or their image that they had wanted for him. What do you think, though? 
Now, our first word problem question again is this, which one will get the most points taken away from them? And remember, I would love to hear from you on Instagram or Twitter. That's my, my handle is championlife23, and it's A, being raised by a different race, B, marrying someone outside the race, or C, being good at a stereotype that doesn't fit your stereotype. And this is our first world problem. Remember to leave the comments in YouTube too. I'm going to get at you. It is dinner time. The title of our episode today is Two-Faced and Not Even Realizing It. This is the second part in our four-part series for Black History Month. Last week, we looked a lot at what made people want to come to America in the first place. And a lot of it was based off of greed and off of money. Now, there's something else that can make people switch up. And we're going to look at that today because we sometimes get our identity, our image wrapped up in the wrong thing. And that's what this episode on Two-Faced and not even realizing it, realizing it is going to look at today. And we're going to talk a ton about cultural differences. And I just want you to think about this. In America, it's like a melting pot. If you think about clothes, that's something that we actually share and don't mind taking other people's styles or other cultures. And it's kind of overlapping, especially when you look at it in America. If you have drip, another person of a different race would think you have drip and have style too. It's starting to overlap. Hair is something that's a little different though. That's because we have different textures. We have different grades. We have different types of hair. So sometimes we have to do different hairstyles. Food though. Food is something that we often celebrate and are okay with. Now, you can probably name these foods or categories of food once I name them for you. So check this out. If I said collard greens, turnips and mustards, black eyed peas, fried catfish, oxtails, you would say that's soul food. If I said meatballs, Alfredo, spaghetti, lasagna, you would say Italian. If I said shrimp fried rice, egg foo young, you would say Chinese food. If I said enchiladas, chimichanga, fajitas, you would go with Mexican food. Now, this is the type of thing we love in our culture. We celebrate this. We can accept this for the most part. Along those lines of food, though, we have some stereotypes that go with food. Now, I have a group chat and we had this one friend. The group chat is with all black people, one white dude in there. Shout out to Tony. And one of our friends who happens to be a white female, she thought she was doing it one day. She thought she was doing it. So she took a picture of her grilling and she had some chicken wings on the grill. And those chicken wings looked about white and bleached as ever. We was like, where's the lorries? Where's the garlic? Where's the black pepper? So we make fun of her because of that. But can everybody handle that stereotype? Probably not. So that's the stereotype of white people don't necessarily know how to season their food. Is it true? Absolutely not for every case, because I know some white people who are very good cooks. Now, along those lines of stereotype, we're talking about chicken. Is it okay for me to say I like fried chicken? Yes. But for some, they would be heated and so mad if you said that to them. Like, you assuming I like fried chicken because I'm black? I mean, the average person likes fried chicken, though, right? Now, along those lines of food, there are some other stereotypes that, that come into play or some observations that I have made in my lifetime. Like growing up, I had white friends and I had black friends. When it came to dinner time, I ate at both um, sets of groups for dinner. So my black friends, when we got to dinner, they would offer water or juice with the meal. Something I found so interesting and mind blowing was when we got to dinner at a white family, they would offer water or milk. And I'm like, what? I want some juice. Come on now. But 
And I'm nothing against milk. I just think that milk is more of a breakfast or I eat that with desserts. That's just something that's different. Right. So every cultural difference is, is not a sin. It's just something that's different. Now, along the lines of something that might be a little more serious is when I hear things that are deemed as bad or they're not as good. All of a sudden they get the title of, of ghetto. Oh, my gosh, that is so ghetto. But if it's proper, if you can articulate, if it's done well, if it's good, it's called white or acting white or being the white way. And I don't necessarily agree with that, but that's something that we hear a lot of times in our culture. Now, we're going to look at Galatians chapter two today to kind of bring all of this into light. I'm going to give you a modern day story first, and I encourage you to read Galatians chapter two. This is when the apostle Paul, he had to call Peter out for being two-faced and not moving in a correct way. So the modern day story would go something like this. Let's say I am going to do some mission work in a different state at a church. Now at this church, it's no black people. The members are either all white or all Asian or all, or all Hispanic. And in the process of getting together with these members, man, we get along great. Like these become our friends. We have Bible studies together. We fellowship together. We have a group chat together. We eat together every single week and we can celebrate those differences. It's cool. But then all of a sudden, some of my friends from back home who happen to be black, some of my homies come to this church and they start to move in or, or live there. And all of a sudden I start to distance myself because it's like, man, I don't, I don't want to be called Uncle Tom. I don't want people saying, so you just forgot about your, you just forgot about us, huh? You forgot about your real people. I don't want to deal with that. So I start to be rude. I start to be super, um, short with the people they got it we got a group chat together i'm giving one word answers or i'm not even answers i'm, I'm ghosting them and this is kind of what happens in our story in galatians chapter two today now we have paul who was appointed to talk to the gentiles and we have peter who was appointed to talk to the jews now peter's name in this is cephas cephas means rock and it's like well how did he get that name he got that name from Jesus who was saying, I'm going to build my church upon a a firm foundation. And Peter, you are going to be the rock of this. Now, I, I encourage you to read Galatians 2, just the whole thing, because like in 4 and 5 is talking about false prophets and how they infiltrated the church. And that can explain some of the things when people say like, well, how in the world did people do things in the name of God in, in slavery? It's because some people are false prophets. And the Bible has always talked about false prophets and being leery of them and, and be be conscious of this. Now, the title of this is Paul opposes Cephas, which is Peter, and it means rock. Paul says, when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Now, the beautiful thing about the Bible, the Bible doesn't act like there aren't cultural differences. And this text is really going to just hammer this. It goes on to say, for before a certain man came from James, he used to eat. He being Peter used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, that's James crew, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined Peter, which is Cephas, in his hypocrisy. So that by their hypocrisy, hypocrisy even Barnabas was led astray. And I just want to stop right there. Condemned. Why in the world was Peter condemned? Because Peter was wrong. Peter switched up for no good reason. Besides being afraid. Now, why was he afraid? You got to put yourself in, in his position. So let's say you're black or Hispanic or you're any type of minority. 
You don't want to be called an Uncle Tom by your community. You don't want to be called, oh, you just whitewashed. Or if you were Asian, you wouldn't want someone saying to you, you're a Twinkie, which means you are yellow on the outside, but white in the inside. And even white people wouldn't want to hear, you think you're black or you're a culture vulture. Like nobody wants to deal with that mess. And that's the insecurity that a lot of times all of us have. Now, it's like, why was he afraid of this? Because of the group that was that was James. James was a real Jew, a real Jew. You know what I'm saying? No, James was Jesus' half-brother. He was one of the first church leaders. He was like the OGs. He was one of the originals. So he had this in his mind that, you know, I want to impress him most likely that I'm guessing. Now, what's that circumcision group? Now, that circumcision group, I just guessed that Peter was possibly worried about his Jew card getting pulled. You're like, what you talking about? You know what I'm talking about. All of us have certain groups where people say, I'm going to pull your card. Or I'm going to take this away from you now. And it's like, you're not even the authority, but but we, we fall victim to that. Every race, every single group deals with this. And I'm going to give you an example. Name this movie. Sexual Chocolate. Sexual Chocolate. You know that movie? It's one of the greatest. Eddie Murphy. I think that's Arsenio Hall. Eddie Murphy in there for sure, though. Coming to America. If you didn't know that, some people would say, I'm taking your black card. Or how about this movie? I'm going to give you two quotes. Bye, Felicia. Or you ain't got to lie, Craig. You ain't got to lie. Friday. That's one of the classics for me. If you don't know that movie, some people say I'm taking your black card. But I'll switch it up on you because this goes in a number of different categories. What about this? Dread it. Run from it. Destiny still arrives. You know what movie that is? Avengers. Infinity Wars. If you don't know that I'm taking your Marvel card, you don't know superheroes like I do. You're not really into comic books like I am. We have all these different things that's battling to make that group or that race the number one thing we identify with. And that was something that Peter was struggling with. Can he be a real Jew? It goes on to say in verse 14, it says, when I, that's, that's Paul, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, Paul called him out and he said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Now, that was bold by Paul because he did this in front of them all. And I know that had to be a little trickier or, or a little touchy because I, I think that would be uncomfortable for me because you got to think about this. Paul was going against the OGs. It was all of a sudden he was the minority. It was like the Gentile Christians against the Jew Christians. But did you catch that? They're both Christians. So it really shouldn't be a beef, but there was a beef because they wanted to identify with being Jewish first. Verse 15, which says we, which is talking about Paul, Peter and Barnabas. Barnabas was one of Paul's homies. It says we who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one, no one will be justified. Now, when you think about that law, we get into these traditions, we get into these, um, these customs, and we start thinking that we can fulfill that law, that tradition, that custom and even if we could, that wouldn't earn a salvation. And if it did, then we wouldn't need a savior. But we know that's not true. 
We know that's not true. And in this text, Paul is reminding us to stop making it about things that it's not about. He had to call out Peter because it is. He had to call out Peter because it is. And I want you to think about this. When are you or are you ever like Peter or Barnabas? Where you're putting weight on things that really don't matter. Where you're really wrapping your identity in stuff that does not matter. And on this episode of Two-Faced and not even realizing it, we have to look at some mistakes that us Christians make and, and the church makes. And it's like, why do we make this? Why do we make these mistakes why, like Peter did? The first one is this. We make these mistakes because we act like this can't happen to us. But all of us are susceptible to this. All of us are. And you got to think about it like this. Peter is called the rock. Peter is one of the, the pillars of the Christian faith. He's one of the greatest preachers, one of the greatest pastors, one of the greatest leaders. And he feels susceptible to this. And even Barnabas, it describes Barnabas in Acts chapter 11, verse 24. It describes him as a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. But they had to get called out because they were so worried about their Jew car getting pulled that they started to become two-faced. And that can happen to any of us. The second thing is we start treating our, our culture and our traditions like it's God's word, like it's biblical, like it's doctrine. And it's not. So that's where we make mistakes at. And the third thing is sometimes we desire to be our race or we desire to identify with the group more than we desire to be a Christian and to be like Jesus. And in some cases, we can even hide behind our denomination or a political party or, or any type of group and say, like, you know, I just want to really be dedicated to that. And it's like you're, you're having this Trump God's word. And the question you have to ask yourself, is this a cultural difference, a traditional difference, or is this a doctrinal difference? Now, the, the church has been two faced and we're going to look at that a little bit in this episode of two faced and not even realizing it. And what you have to realize is, let's say Sunday around 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. That's one of the most segregated times in America. And you know what's going on around that time? Church. You have so many churches. There's a, there's a white church. There's a Hmong church. There's a black church. There's a there's a Hispanic church. We don't have a lot of diverse churches in America. And this got brought to even more light. When I was taking a class that focused on Christian doctrine and what the professor was telling us and, and breaking down and giving us notes on is like different types of theology. We have to be leery of. And I'm going to read some of these theologies. But what I noticed about this is sometimes as a church, we can see a plank in someone else's eye, but we don't realize the plank in our own eye. And it's like, you don't see that. You got some right there to get, get that out your eye, man. And this is what I thought when when I was in his class and he listed off these these different types of theology. And you'll see why at the end. So one of the type of the types of theologies was secular theology. That's when like humans take responsibility for their own quality of life. Um, they don't rely on the Bible. They try to solve all their problems on their own. Or how about liberation theology? That's when Christ is not a savior, but he's a radical reformer. The goal is to try to bring heaven to earth or feminist theology. They would strongly reject the doctrine related to roles of men and women, and they would really be ticked off the fact that Jesus was a man and the world was the savior of the world was a man. Now, this is the one. Now, remember, this is the non microwave truth. So I, I got to keep it a book. And this is a theology that minority churches definitely have to be leery and, and worried about 
Because if you lose focus of God or lose focus of Jesus, I should say, which is God, this is where this comes into play. It says the focus, this is called black theology. The focus for Christians will be on racial discrimination, oppression, and how to overcome it. When the church focuses on one movement rather than Christian doctrine as a whole, God's deliverance gets shortchanged. That's true. But I was like, oh, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. Wait a minute. That's it. Where is white theology at or white culture theology? And some people say, what in the world is white culture theology or what is white theology? That would be something that is based upon European traditions that get trumped or get brought up so much that when somebody in that church sees a tradition or a culture that's a little bit different or not exactly European, they look at it and say, that's a sin or that's wrong. And in white culture or white culture theology, I would say they make it seem like everything that is white is right and everything is white. Or you should say white or I could say whitewash. And what I mean by that is you look at the pictures in the church. They have a white Jesus hanging up. You look at another picture. All the 12 disciples are white. When you look at the angels, all the angels are white. And some people say race doesn't matter. It does, but it doesn't. But it does. In our culture, it happens to matter because of slavery. And as soon as slavery got put where black people had to be in slavery or in shackles, it starts to matter. And if you say that it never, ever matters or you say that oppression doesn't matter or discrimination never happens, you can lose a lot of people because all of a sudden they're like, if you're going to lie about this, how can I trust you with something else? So I definitely think that churches have to be leery of black theology, but churches also have to be leery of white theology. They just absolutely do. And with all these different types of theology, the main thing is Christ is not at the center. Christ has to be the focus. He has to be the focus. And that's what I mean about the, the plank in our own eye. And we see a plank in someone else's eye. And I was just shocked in this class. Like, you don't have this one listed. And I even asked the pastor about that. And his, his response was, this is interesting. But whites usually don't think that they need they don't see themselves as needing to do this or needing to be this. And it's like, I get that. I get that. But that's something that the church has struggled with. Black churches, white churches putting race to the point where they're trumping God's word or making it seem like this is all right because it's a particular race and it's not like that. Now, how do we avoid being two-faced? How do we avoid being two-faced? On this episode of Two-Faced and not even realizing it, we got definitely got to talk about that. And the first way we avoid being two-faced is when we don't like something or when we're separating from something, we have to question why. We have to question, like, do I not like this person or do I not like this thing or do I not like this style of worship just because it's culture or tradition? Or do I not like this because I don't think it's doctrinally sound and it goes against God's word? If it's something that's false teaching, um, goes against the Bible, then yes, you should not like it. But if you just don't like it because it's a culture or, di or cultural difference or tradition that you don't like, then that's something a lot of times we just need to get over. And that's how we can avoid being two faces by checking ourselves and sometimes getting out of our comfort zone in that way. The second way we avoid being two faced is just realizing that you're a human being. I'm a human being. If we're human beings, you know what we are, then we are sinners. And if we're sinners, you know what else? We're going to have some prejudices or hostilities just infected in us that we got to be conscious of and constantly checking. Because we might have a prejudice based off of some of our experiences or some of the things that we take pride in. Like if I start to take pride in being a man 
and that trumps everything. And I say, just because I'm a man, I'm right. That's pride in the wrong thing. Or if I take pride in my race and I start to look down on another race and I become uppity, that's the problem. If I start to take pride in a political group, I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican. That's how we become two-faced. And there's so many different things that we can take pride in that really don't matter. And we try to wrap our identity in. And that's where we get some type of identity crisis because there's so many different things pulling at us. You're not this. You're not real at that. And we got to avoid that. And the last thing that goes along with this is just understanding our past traumas. Our past traumas and experiences, if we don't heal from those properly, if we don't take those to Christ, if we don't if we don't do that, all of a sudden that makes us have an inability to forgive because we're still stuck on that trauma and we have not healed. And a lot of times that makes us become true faced, two faced because we haven't healed from that. Now, we got to look at Jesus. This is the third way on how we avoid being two faced. Look at what Jesus did. Jesus made a concerted effort to eat with everyone, all different races, all different types of people. He ate with the church folks. That would be the Pharisees. He ate with the sinners. That would be the tax collectors. And it's like, are you making a concerted effort to eat with other people, especially other people I'm talking about that call themselves Christians? And what we have to realize is the gospel. The gospel is a beautiful, uniting message that shows us that we have a savior that loves us, that we are sinners, but our debt is paid. And the gospel is a united message where all of us should be able to give someone a, a card in that regard. And the last thing that I'm going to bring to you, our fourth point on how to avoid being toothpaste comes from Galatians 1 verse 10. And this is Paul talking. And this is real. He says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So you know what that's saying in a nutshell? Aim to please God and not aiming to please some group or some man. Aim to please God and not to please men. And this is the non-microwave truth. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Two-Faced and not even realizing it. This is the second part in our four-part series. Please make sure you hit the five-star, leave a review, write some comments. I'm going to try to get back to you, especially if you write some comments on YouTube. Next week, we'll be going to our third part, which we're really going to look at who gets credited a lot of times in, in our Christian society and in our Christian um, community. And we're going we're gonna to challenge that a little bit and look at that from a different way. But thanks for joining me on this episode. Peace, punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I am out. <laughs>